Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space is sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her mini-personality companion, Philip Gilfus. What is that? What are you trying to do there? That's my that's my other character I play. Oh, is it? Yeah. And what? I wore makeup for this. Uh, that, this is true, and uh, I've told you before, stay out of my makeup. Um, is your other personality one that does the dishes? Yes, apparently the only one who does in this house. Oh, no, you did not. You take three steps away from that one, mister. (laughs) So, while we're on this strange banter kick, I know that you did a tweet about whether or not people wanted to hear us banter. What were the results of... Mostly pro. People like to hear hosts talk about their lives. They get invested. Argue uh, about who's doing the dishes apparently. more. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, one or two thought it sort of dates it. And then they also just want to hear about the topic. Okay. But yeah. the majority seem to like it. Yeah. And both of those are fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Our, our lives currently revolve around the dishes, apparently. Uh, one day we're going to have a dishwasher. And one day. Then we won't have anything to talk about really that'll be fun and then we can listen to this and be like oh that's so dated right exactly so i'm looking forward to that i just said i guess i should not take for granted that we have a washing machine in the laundry room yes well and a dryer right um because most the majority of my time in england we either only had a washing machine or we had a washing machine that was also a dryer which is a trick ladies and gentlemen, because it does a terrible job actually drying the clothes. Goodness. Yeah. So you still have to take them out and hang them up and have them all over the house. So, so yeah, washing machine and dryer and both in a laundry room. Well, we finally, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but uh, we finally finished the Big Finish Torchwood production, Believe. And this was, of course, with the original Torchwood cast. And, and we didn't discover this oh, until true. the end, so hashtag spoiler, uh, Arthur Darville. Right. Play, uh, plays a part. Yeah. Now I want to go back and listen to it, because he's just in, like, the first episode or something, first isn't he? Two, right. Maybe he, first two. He, he plays sort of the... Um, this story is basically about, oh, this is my words, not the big finish. It's sort of like Scientology they're investigating, but it's given another it's, name. It's the cult of Jack Barrowman is what it is. Well, ish. Yeah. I mean, it's, it surrounds. John Barrowman. Sorry. I yeah. mixed, mixed up my guy. <laughs> well, it surrounds, you know, the guy who's sort of a L. Ron Hubbard figure who sort of makes this religion that, or belief, you know, whatever you want to call it, organization, cult, whatever you want to call it. You know, so I and I the beholder about that, you know, we're all meant to go, humans are meant to live in the stars and talks about that. and Become immortal in that way yes, sort of thing. Yeah, and I go, anyway, so Torchwood basically investigates, or at least uh, Owen uh, decides to investigate. And this, this was sort of an interesting story where Owen attempts to take the lead and Jack actually steps to the side. I mean... Kind of a spoiler, but I mean, not really. Jack really isn't in until the last episode. 
I mean, he's in the beginning a little bit, but mm-hmm. then it's sort of the regular Torchwood team, which is nice. You know, it's nice to see the other because you, you don't see them as often. You know, it's just been, you know, Jack and Gwen for most of Torchwood here in the past few years. But anyway, so you get the sort of the other. You get Owen and and Tosh and and Gwen and obviously and, and Yanto. Um, but uh, but Jack and Rose tell a lot, and it's sort of interesting the way they tell the story because sort of the last episode is Jack, and it's sort of catching up to all the episodes before. So he sort of flashbacks to like this is what happened in episode one, and that's where Jack was, and episode two this is where Jack was, mm-hmm. and episode three. So yeah. which was which I found a little bit confusing yeah, because it, it had been a while since we listened to mm-hmm. the most recent episode before that, and so at the beginning I was like, what is happening? Where? <laughs> where what is you know? So that was a little bit tricky just to listen to, but uh, never mind. Uh, interesting side note mm-hmm. about Torchwood. What have we just discovered in our great country world outdoors, darling? Apparently there is a bird or set of birds in our, well, I'll say front yard. Our yard is how many acres? Uh, well, the the whole land is 40 acres, yeah. Right. But anyway, so anyway, on our acreage, um, there apparently we have birds that know the Torchwood theme tune. Yes, yeah, I was sitting outside and thought I heard the Torchwood theme tune and thought, well, that's kind of strange. And then thought, I'm not going to mention it to my husband because he's going to think I'm cray cray. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, did mention it to him. And he was like, yeah. yeah I heard that yesterday. Yeah. The day before you told me that, I was like, that's interesting. Uh, but it's probably just me being weird. So, but yeah. Apparently not. Apparently it's either both of us being weird or the birds being Torchwood fans. Mm-hmm. So... So what did you think of Believe? Would you recommend it or no? Or, or, you know, is it a a buy, a rent, or a skip? Probably a rent. Right. Not that you either have to buy a big finish or not. Yeah, I mean, that's not... But, but, you know, (laughs) when you're looking at degrees, I enjoyed it mostly because the Torchwood team was back together. Right. Um, And so that was nice. Although they don't, like... You've got Tosh and Owen together, Mm -hmm. but Gwen's off doing her own thing. Yanto's off doing his own thing. Uh, Captain Jack is... It's basically Arrested Development Season 4. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably a pretty good analogy to it. So, and, and as it turns out, listening to the interviews afterwards, they were all in different places mm-hmm. anyway, physically. John Barrowman was in Miami, and it's again, it sounded like Tosh and Owen, the mm-hmm. uh, people who play them, Burn, and a, a name I, I kept listening to and still couldn't necessarily tie together with the way I've seen it seemed to be in the same place physically and so yeah it was it was an interesting yeah I thought and this is gonna sound weird since John Berryman is usually multi-talented I don't think he's a great at least for this production was not a great audio actor I thought a lot of times it was hard to picture him reacting to the person I know you're in a booth you're alone but I thought, like, with the other ones, it definitely mixed a little bit more. Whereas with Jack, is all, it seemed like he was sort of just, like, acting by himself instead of to the person. Yeah, you could feel it in the audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, it was an interesting story. I don't know. Jack was kind of weird in it. But anyway, so, yeah, if, you, if you're craving some, you know, the original Torchwood gang, it's obviously... It's by almost, all means. I forget how much I pay. It's, not, it's nothing crazy expensive. You know, it's big finish. It's going be so much. $400, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Well, that's because the conversion is bad here between oh, right. the yes. sterling and the <laughs> dollar. Right? Yeah. yeah, it was only two pounds. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> $400. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag thanks, Obama. Yeah, well, that was a G7. <laughs> all right. You know, we're going to skip ahead, but but... Because of what we're going to be talking about later, we were watching some extras. Oh, I guess I haven't mentioned 
Um, I did have some extra money, speaking of which, come my way. Hashtag humble brag. Exactly. Up. Right. And so I spent a little bit of it on a new Doctor Who purchase. I've talked about, we've been watching the complete Peter Capaldi Blu-ray. And so with a little extra change, normally I wouldn't buy because it, it is a little much, but whatever, you know. Um, I did buy the complete Matt Smith blu-ray yes so it was very exciting there's actually a lot in it which i mean i had the same reaction to the complete peter capaldi i mean there's a lot of extras and even more extras than you think and with the matt smith you not only get more extras than you think you also get like the adventure in space and time the special they did during the 50th you get the um what we've talked about previously the uh five five-ish doctors reboot Mm, whatever that one that we talked about previously in another episode that was on there so, I mean, it's actually a lot of cool stuff on there. Of course, it costs, um, so you're certainly getting what you pay for, but that's a good, in a good way. So, yes, but we've been watching some of the extras on that. Mm. It just happened to be on the disc we were watching anyway, but it was about uh, the companions. And then there's actually a lot of mini-sodes yes. that yeah. are just of, I didn't, was not aware of. So, if you're craving some extra Matt 11th Doctor action and you have, you know, a lot of money, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're watching the complete Matt Smith, no, there's all these extra i mean they're only like a minute or two but there's all these extra 11th doctor stories you know one one was with um uh was with river and then there's another with amy i think and anyway but it's all very interesting yeah yeah absolutely and we we made a discovery in this as well that the young lady who plays young amelia pond mm-hmm. is actually karen jillian's cousin, cousin. yes so. Which, you know, then when you, you know, obviously you assume that they've cast it for some sort of resemblance. Mm. Uh, but once you know that, um, it's kind of cool. And I, you can see it more. And I think it's funny because she mentioned that we were watching a feature I called The Companions um, on the Matt Smith Blu-ray. But anyway, I think it's funny when you think about it because she was saying, really, I wasn't the first person to play Amy. It was my cousin. So really she set who Amy was going to be for her to then get, you know, who's actually hired to play the full-time role. So I thought that was interesting to think about that way. Yeah, she talks about the line um, when they're trying to figure out what kind of food um, the 11th Doctor likes, uh, which they ultimately figure out is fish fingers and custard, of Mm -hmm. course. Um, And the young Amy Pond says, you're funny. And she says it in this completely sarcastic, snarky sort of way. Mm -hmm. And that sort of informed then the way that Karen Gillian does it. Mm -hmm. Gillian. Yeah. I don't know. It's all Scottish. Uh, And and it was interesting for this Companions feature. It was actually most of... They talk about almost all the new Who Companions, at least to date, you know, for, for the 11th Doctor, from 9 to 11. Yeah. And they didn't talk about was Donna, which I thought was weird, by the way. They Although just, they do show, you know, when they talk about all the Companions together. Yeah, Journey's in. Yeah. But they don't, you know, they seem to feature on, do a feature on everyone except Donna, which I thought was weird. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but anyway, which, anything new you got from that that I, th- I thought was interesting? They managed to get everyone interviewed, of course, except Catherine Tate, because they didn't talk about it. Of course, they didn't get... They didn't get Billy Piper. Probably Billy Piper, that, but, but everyone else they seemed to know. Yeah, they had yeah. John Berman, they had Freema. Um, oh, they didn't, they also didn't have... Um, well, they didn't have Liz, but she may have been... River Song. Right, that's true. They did talk about it a little bit. Not yeah, a lot, but, a no, bit. but they did, yeah. yeah. But it was interesting to see them talking about the companions and their take. And Even Arthur was there talking about Rory. I was going to say, yeah, I think Rory might have been the most interesting one with them talking about this idea that his job is to 
keep Amy safe. Mm. And he rises to that challenge. His his companion probably has the most um, obvious story arc, character arc of the growth that he goes through. Yeah, I think the way they phrased it, in order for him to be with Amy, he has to be on the TARDIS. So then he has to force himself to be someone who belongs on the TARDIS, quote-unquote, belongs, you know. So. Yeah, and has to step up, and it changes him. Mm-hmm. But also, I think, makes him the man that Amy loves. Right, and the one she chooses to be with at the end. Absolutely. And over and over and over again, he has all of those sort of self-doubt moments, you know, where he's eavesdropping, and Amy's talking about a, the guy that, you know, she will always fight for and, and he thinks she's talking about the doctor until she gets to the end and mm-hmm. things like that. So, yeah, interesting. Cool. I've been looking through some Torchwood comics or a volume of graphic novels I got um, and then some Doctor Who comics as well. So I'll, I'll go into them now. But So if you're on Goodreads, it's a good website to talk about book reviews and what you're reading. I'm on there. And you can easily find me, I think. And if not, just tweet me at NC Public Servant. And I can tell you where my links are. I was read a recent, well, I say, I don't know when it was actually published, recent to me, um, Torchwood's comic book series. It was actually written by John Behrman and his sister Carol. Mm. Was not great, in my opinion, but that was just my opinion. Um, so, but I don't know if, if anyone knows any good uh, Doctor Who and or Torchwood comics, particular uh, issues or anything that you'd recommend, let me know. I'm more than happy to do it that way. And if folks want to talk to you about any other Doctor Who stuff we've talked about, darling, where can they reach you? They can find me at One Phoenix Theater. On Twitter. On Twitter, yes. Yeah. And finally, since it's June, June is busting out all over, yo. Yep. And we're not saying what year, so we don't want to date ourselves. Good point. It could be any June. Yes, it could be any June in time or space. True story. Could be space June. Could be space June. Could be moon June. That's true. Moon June. I'm going to say that a few more times. Moon June. We got our next Mr. Man, Dr. Six. Yes. Which is so exciting. It was interesting. You know, Six is not my favorite doctor. Um, And then featured Perry, which I don't think is not your favorite companion. And so, but nevertheless, it was still a cute story. Yes. And we tend to, because we're hideously dorky. Right. We tend to sit down and read it aloud together. Yes. Now you you are the director, obviously, in, in many ways. But I I do am proud of myself. I did have a voice directing moment with you. <laughs> he had several voice directing. He he always I read the whole story and he reads what the doctor says. Well, the, it, all the male doctors I read. Oh right, okay. So uh, well, okay, fair enough. Yeah, we'll well, we'll when, see how that goes when Doctor Thirteenth comes yes. out. It will not, you know. You, Thank you, darling. Yeah. You're going to let me step up to the plate. <laughs> You're so kind. But yes, while I was reading Perry, Philip said, you need to be more American. Well, I said, hand quote, more American. Yes. And then when I went more American, he responded with... you got to be high pitch your whinier. Yeah. So uh, thanks for that direction. And after that, she did a perfect Perry. Darling. <laughs> now my Colin Baker's rubbish. That's all right. But anyway... <laughs> I was trying to get his sort of, because he's whiny too in his own way, so was, but he's sort of that egotistical, petulant, bragging, you know, I'm smarter than you and shut up and all this sort of stuff, but I don't know how to do that, so anyway. <laughs> he doesn't know how to do it with a British accent, is yeah. what he's actually saying, the rest of it. A lot of times he's got down pat. 
All right. If you are interested generally in skipping over the banter, this is where we're going to start talking about the real thing. Yeah? Shall we do that, my love? Sure. So, like the story Moby Dick, Doctor Who fans are forever chasing the great white whale of lost Doctor Who episodes. These are mostly second Doctor serials, along with first Doctor stories as well. And it wasn't until 2013 that all six episodes of the second Doctor serial, The Enemy of the World, were made complete thanks to a find in Nigeria. We'll be talking about the restored version of this story featuring Patrick Troughton playing both the second Doctor and would-be world ruler Salamander. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. And I don't have all the facts in front of me, but I think there was a DVD issued... Either 2013 or 2014. I can't remember when. But it's sort of just like, a, hey, we got everything. Here it is. Boom. What I bought recently um, was sort of the reissue. And this was the restored version. has a bunch of extras on it. And I think it came out just this year. If not this year, it was the end of last year. But it was fairly recent. So that's what we watched. Yeah. So this is sort of the restored version, which I think actually shows a lot. That it is. A lot went into it. Um, as, a lot, but as well as a bunch of extras. So, but overall, just talking about the story in and of itself, what'd you think of the serial, the six-part serial, The Enemy of the World? Overall, I thought it was a good story. It was a little bit busy, mm-hmm. um, because you've sort of got the, is Salamander a good guy or a bad guy? We need to find the proof I need of proof. that. Yes. And then, towards the end, oh, and by the way, he has a bunch of people trapped underground making earthquakes for him and they are prisoners right and so that i almost wanted them to open with that (laughs) um so that we understood from the get-go what was happening and how it was working and things like that It, it felt a little bit tacked on watching some of the extras and i guess they're interviewing the director who i know is super famous in doctor who but his name Barry, I can't. Uh, I know he's super famous in Doctor Who because he took over as like a showrunner. But anyway, I apologize, I'm forgetting the name. But anyway, they were talking to the director of this serial, and the way he was saying it was kind of like they had written, I guess, the first or second episode script, and the rest were outlines. And I think it shows. I think it goes like great first episode, and maybe even second episode. Then it kind of drags a little bit. And there's some random stuff, like the kitchen scene, which is not bad, but it's random, with the cook and everything. Yes, it's yeah, sort of like, the, that was filler. Yeah. Uh, um, the cook is very much like the guy from Macbeth, the yeah. uh, porter, knock, knock, knock. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just there being comedic. Right. And doesn't move the story along. And they also talked about sort of restrictions, like the first scene was originally written to be on this crowded beach, and because they couldn't get a crowd, a crowd, <laughs> they had to rewrite it and change the way it went and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, it seems a little bit, it sounds as if it were a little bit hodgepodge and then it comes across that way a little bit as well. But I think the ending is good, but it's super rushed. I think you could have taken episode six, stretched that. And then sort of, you know, instead of having the sort of lazy... And I'm not saying it's yeah, all bad. Yeah, because also, also then one of the good guys turns out to be one of the bad guys. Yeah. And that's completely... That's not Twist. even dealt with at mm. all, really. It's just like, oh, he's a bad guy now. And boom. Nobody needs proof of that. <laughs> and dead. And dead, <laughs> yeah. So, 
yeah, it it just felt hodgepodgey. There was a whole lot going on that mm. I think maybe didn't need to be going on. Mm. So yeah, but I thought it was interesting. I thought like the first episode was sort of epic, and I know it's an overboard use. Um, but I mean, you have a hovercraft, you have a helicopter, you have a shootout. I mean, like there's a lot going on that you don't normally see in Doctor Who in that first episode. So I thought it was really like it was a strong sort of way to start off. Um, but it sort of goes with there. And then it gets a little meandering. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and then the restoration, as far as the quality, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about that later. So let's actually talk about what really brought this to my attention, or at least I think you would be, especially from your background, would be interesting to talk about. So Patrick Troughton, of course, plays two roles. Yes. He plays the second Doctor, and he plays Salamander. Yes. Um, so what did you sort of think of that? Of, of You know, you've seen the second Doctor before, but... Having seen Patrick show, or if you a, do you think there was range? But how did you think he pl- he played? Because as someone pointed out in the extras, he's actually playing three parts. He's playing the Doctor, he's playing Salamander, and he's playing the Doctor playing, playing Salamander. Salamander. Yeah. So yeah, no, I thought overall, I thought there was good range there, um, a lot of good range, and it didn't occur to me until they talk about it in the extras about cultural appropriation. Yeah. A salamander is technically Mexican. A, a, me- a Mexican character. And they even talk about browning him up, although, I, you know, it's a black and white. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think that if it had been in color and I had seen that, that would have given me more pause at the time. But I didn't, it didn't really occur to me while it was happening that he was browning up again because it was in black and white. And I didn't notice. Yeah, he's a bit, bit more, what's the <clears throat> term, swarthier looking. Uh, I mean, but that's just, I mean, yeah, okay. I, I thought that was just sort of differentiating him from being the doctor. Yeah, in terms of the swarthiness, I thought it was making him more political mm-hmm. and, and doing something, you know, the second doctor's hair is so three stooges anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, you know, changing it into a bit of a quaff didn't... And the accent isn't... I mean, it's interesting, and I can't place what it'd be. It's, I mean, it's not Mexican, certainly, but I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know that I'm a Mexican expert, but I, mean, I don't know. But it just it, it sounded different. I didn't really yeah, couldn't, couldn't fa- place as, what it was. Yeah, the accent sounded foreign from what the doctor was. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it wasn't necessarily specific to something. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yes, I thought it showed a, a nice range, and I found it really interesting. Where I didn't always notice a difference uh, was that third character of the Doctor playing Salamander. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you expect to see sort of peaks of the Doctor within, and I didn't necessarily. And that's not a critique, mm-hmm. just an observation. Because I did like, they did show him trying to master the axe, and he's like, I'm, I'm going to need a couple of weeks. They're like, you got five minutes. And he's like, oh, my friend, you know, he's trying yes, to get, and to that's get it a down. Nice, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then, like, there's a scene with the good guy who turns out to be a bad guy yeah. and the doctor playing salamander and we don't know yeah, I actually until thought it was the salamander. end of it yeah. yeah that it's actually the doctor and mm-hmm. i think being able to see some of those clues might have been useful some sort of surprise that oh he's a bad guy or you know yeah. something some sort of tells mm-hmm. i guess that we didn't get i did tweet earlier that we'd be talking about this and we got a tweet from at Corey, L-L-A-P. I'm assuming that's Live Long and Prosper. Oh. Yes, Charles Elrod. And he said, um, basically, I bought the DVD a few months back. I really enjoyed this one. I think Patrick Troughton is the greatest actor to play the Doctor in the classic series. He really gets to show that off in this story. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's an interesting, because the second Doctor is an interesting character in and of himself. 
the way he plays it, and I've probably said this before, where he sees sort of have this sort of childlike, you know, he, when he jumps into the ocean in the, in the beginning of episode. Uh, he gets episode down one. into his skivvies and jumps <laughs> into the ocean, uh, which apparently he regretted because it was cold. But there you go. <laughs> and it was his idea to do that, too. It wasn't yeah. even in the script. But anyway, but he also has this sort of, you know, spastic, frustrated, you know, show me proof. I need proof. I don't know. You know, this sort of way he, he get easily, I mean, not in a bad way, but easily frustrated or, you know. Wound up yeah. easily. Yeah. yeah so, but I think that second doctor is an interesting character, you know, compared to the first, because at that point, that's all you can compare it to. But then also, I think, looking at Salamander, again, that's a weird name. Let's, can we talk about that? That's, I don't know why they named the character Salamander. No, no, it is very strange. But anyway, I mean, certainly, that, is that, that can't be Mexican. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, I just don't know any senior Salamanders. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, but I think it is an interesting character. The way he plays him is very, it, it works. Like, you know, it is a different character, obviously. Very, very clearly. Yeah. And, and, I agree. I think it was a great acting job. And especially because it's relatively clear to me that the second Doctor is very much a character. Mm -hmm. Whereas in some of the other classic Doctors, you don't get the impression they are. So they're sort of playing. Playing themselves. Playing a, yeah. Like Bill Hartnell, you're thinking. Yes, and um, who's the one that you're always talking about? Is one of the oh Bakers. Tom Baker, yeah. Tom Baker is just Tom is the Doctor. He is Tom Baker is the Doctor? Is Tom uh, Baker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's no range right. necessarily there. So, uh, so you really get to see that mm-hmm. with Patrick Troughton. And, and, the, and even, I enjoyed that. Even you know this is getting a couple layers, but but even when Patrick Troughton playing Salamander. Who's having to act? In other words, when we discover it underground, you know, when he goes into the Batcave, when Salamander has to act with this other group of people, I think it's interesting because you know we've sort of established that man, we don't like Salamander. He's like this—he's killing people, he's conniving. Now he has to go pretend to be sort of the savior of this underground people who's he's been, you know, unknowing to them, keeping them hostage. Where he has to be like, oh, it's all dangerous out there, you know, and all that radiation. Yeah, Everybody exactly. will die. Yeah, and so that's sort of another layer of acting <clears throat> where he has to then act like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot in this for Patrick Troughton to sink his teeth into, and, and I think that he quite enjoyed that. Yeah, so. I'm sure, you know, doing this for so long, because I think every, you know, doctors, even though he's only the second one, but looking at all of them, they only tend to last, you know, two to three years, and I think it's probably a fun part, but it probably does get maybe a bit tiring after a while, you know, because there's only so much sometimes, and that's not a critique. It's just after three years of playing the same part. But I'm sure... You know, if you get a chance to breathe every now and then doing something else, it probably keeps you there longer. Yeah, keeps things fresh. And this is particularly, I think his performance is particularly interesting in light of when we were looking at some of the extras and his son is talking about Patrick Troughton's absolute disdain. Oh, that was so weird. For live theater. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Shouting in the evening. Yeah, shouting in the nighttime Mm -hmm. or something like that. I mean, just didn't do stage work at all. Um, which is a relatively unusual, particularly in England. Most people get their start on the boards, especially this time in the sixties. Yeah, I think. But even now, yeah. to have that sort of range, you would expect someone with stage experience who has played a variety of characters in short succession. And I wonder if, because one thing, not to get off on a tangent, one thing his son talked about. 
I forget which son it was, what was his name. But anyway, it was how nervous his father was, Patrick was. That Pat Trown was just a bundle of nerves before every performance. That's just the way he was. So I think maybe he might not be good for the theater because, you know, it's live. You yeah. mess up, you mess up. Maybe he he felt more relaxed with television because, of course, even then, back then, of course, they couldn't do many edits or do-overs. And, and he said, I think there was a cool thing he said that he often see, because I think the questioner asked, when can you see your father in the second doctor? And he's like, there's these coughs or the let me see, which is so second doctor. And that's him trying to remember his lines. Mm. Like, <clears throat> well, you know, you know, and yeah. the, or see looking here. up. Yeah, looking yeah, up, he said. Sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, which is always, you know, interesting. But I don't think you see it as much in Salamander. Right. No. So yeah. and, and again, you know, maybe it's a, a briefer time period. But, you know, interesting. I thought you, it was funny when you were saying how much uh, Pat Trotton is working in this. Jamie and Victoria, Frazier and Deborah, got us episode off. They were on holiday. So I, I, I was watching one episode. I don't think it was four. I'm like, are they even in this? Yeah, and they yeah, show up like at five, point. last five minutes. I'm yeah. Like, oh, okay. At one point we were like, so where are they? <laughs> and yeah, apparently on holiday somewhere. So mm-hmm. there you go. Cool. But yeah, it was, it was interesting performances. Anything else as far as the actual story? I mean, it's an interesting story set in the far flung future of 2018. Yes, which is, well, I mean, it wasn't quite 2018 yet, was it? Because there was. was the thing on the helicopter that was like, this needs to be It was December th- 31st, yeah, okay, so it could have been 2017, but it was, yeah, it was an expiration registration for the helicopter of like December 31st, 2018. So. Yeah, which is lots of fun, and um, a little bit terrifying yeah, in I'm, terms I mean, of its prescience. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that there are any world leaders, you know, in this country keeping people underground. Right, or creating volcanoes. No, but right. certainly capitalizing. Or earthquakes, you know. It's a hypothetical world we live in. But it's very, uh, well, I don't want to say, I was going to say it's pretty dystopian for Doctor Who. Maybe that's not true. Of course, it's to date, you know, this is what, 1967? That's off the top of my head, so I might be wrong. But anyway, so, you know, it, it's, because it, this is, I guess with 67, that would have been a long time ahead, you know, 2018, trying to picture that in your head. Of course, it's weird to live in 2018 now. But anyway, you know, it, it, that that's sort of, Things were, you know, it was overpopulation or, you know, starvation or whatever. And you sort of have Salamander who's sort of providing for the people. And, and Yes, has figured out how to grow crops quickly and get them harvested. And um, has figured out how to utilize the sun in a way that... Yeah, that was, I guess, what threw me off. And I don't know, maybe if I wasn't paying attention or maybe they just... I don't know if it's my fault or the story's fault. I thought, like, there was going to be, like, a sun machine... Mm. That was that's like that's how he was using it to make would need to volcanoes happen. Yeah, you know, so like he was the sun was shining where he wants it, but not where he doesn't want yeah. it. Instead, like somehow the people underground are showing earthquakes. It wasn't ever clear how they were doing that, but whatever, I guess. So yeah, good times. Yeah, good times. But yeah, but uh, the you know a uh, fascist dictator. You know, it's an unearth right of of the future, quote unquote. Though it's weird now because it's the present day, but it's sort of an interesting storyline because you know. The whole propaganda thing, everyone likes him except for the people who were the resistance fighters. And, and it's sort of, that was an interesting story. I mean, pretty, uh, I mean, I'm not saying Doctor Who doesn't do complex, but it's a very, it's not the monsters are trying to attack us because we're all locked into this room. Yes. And I sort of expected him to turn out to be a future 
you know, from the future mm-hmm. or something that he had these controls that came from the future or mm-hmm. from a different planet or things like that. And it's not. It's just, he's just a dreadful human being. Right. And then you sort of, and then again, the reveal, I mean, spoilers, whatever. Um, yeah, when, um, I can't remember the guy's name, turns out to be a bad guy who we've thought have been sort of a lead resistance fighter. And you're like, wow. But it makes sense. I mean, it's a good story. You just could have kind of fleshed it out a little bit. Yeah, could but, have but explored I could, that. But more. I did like that. It's an interesting twist. You know, you don't normally get twists in a, in a classic Doctor Who all the time. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty mature story. I mean, as much as, you know, it is. So um, as far as the restoration and the extras, we kind of talked a little bit about it. But the restoration, I really noticed because, you know, it's black and white, but it's more depth. Like, literal depth. Like, I can see depth than I'm used to seeing in Doctor Who, and maybe it's just the versions I have, but it's it's like watching the old, of course, here in America. What we normally see in black and white reruns here, at least in these years, would be... Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith. Thank you. I was trying to figure out what it would be. Because you couldn't sort of see the depth of the room. Because it was funny, because they're episode one when they're in an actual house... It is almost like they're in a sitcom, like Leave it to Beaver or yeah, something. Yeah, no, absolutely. You can actually, like, weird just to be the doctor in the sitcom, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just showing. But anyway, but it's, it's, it, I think the restoration shows for those who, who like, you know, visual restorations. I think, you know, it's worth the quality if you don't have the latest DVD and you're a hardcore Doctor Who fan. I think it's worth the investment because it, it does show off. Yeah, and to slide right into talking about the extras, mm-hmm. one of the extras bits talks about that restoration process. And when they found the original tapes, they had been cut in places to put commercial breaks in and things like that, and then like sticky tapes together, sellotapes together. Um, which is not really great for film. And so they were having to undo it and clean it and put it back together. And, and all of that, that sort of work that went into it was really quite interesting. Yeah. And I enjoyed learning about that. Mm-hmm. And the extras are pretty cool. I don't have this in front of me. I don't remember. But the extras were cool. They had a sort of memorial for Deborah Watling. Probably getting her name wrong. But anyway, the actress who plays Victoria, I thought was really interesting. Um, because she just passed away a few years ago, apparently from lung cancer. And so you had a, her brother, who's an MP, apparently. So that was pretty cool because he has an acting background. Of course, her father being twice in Doctor Who in the Yeti stories. Not that he's in the extras, but it's interesting to talk about that whole family because her and then her younger sister's on there talking about it, too. And running a, th- uh, a sort of family theater yeah, that they, they have. bought this theater like and just ran the summer stock there or yeah. whatever. And, and then, then they could have jobs. Yeah, and then you have sort of Fraser Hines, of course, playing uh, Jamie, talking about her a lot. And, and then a lot of the Doctor Who alum, you know, Colin Baker, um... I don't know the connection, but he's on there, the sixth doctor. And then you had. <laughs> he just showed up and yeah. said, I hear you're doing something yeah. about the doctor. Yeah. I'm here <laughs> for it. And then I can't remember her name, but the um, lady who played Polly, which was a oh, yeah. first and then second doctor companion. So, but anyway. And then, and then, um, oh, Louise Jamison, who plays Leela, the fourth doctor's companion, which you would think, you know, other than being companions, I don't know how they're related, but apparently they grew up together in the same grade school or something. So. Well, and again, the the British theater scene is a relatively small one, so mm-hmm. people tend to run into each other. And I guess they were of similar ages, all of them. So, yeah, you know. So, so yeah, it was interesting that part. And then the uh, had this sort of little quirky featurette with Toby. I can't remember his last name. Sort of going around talking to random folks. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, cool, I enjoyed though. the interviews yeah. and things. It got a little exploited. Exploitative. Exploitative. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Overall, really interesting and nice. Mm-hmm. Sure. Cool. 
Sure, cool. All right. So this time we're going to jump into the TARDIS library and go into the future. That's right. Time moves in many directions. And so for the TARDIS library this time, we're going to be talking about the 11th Doctor, since we're talking about main actors playing two parts, and mm-hmm. you know, the hero and the villain. And so we're going to be talking about the 11th <laughs> Doctor playing two parts in Nightmare in Silver, which first premiered way back in 11 May 2013. Darling, would you like to read the synopsis from TARDIS.wiki? I would love to. So, the 11th Doctor takes his companion, Clara Oswald, and her wards, Angie and Artie, to the biggest amusement park, Hedgewick's World of Wonders. The theme park is empty, occupied by a punishment platoon and a lone impresario with empty Cybermen shells as exhibits. The Doctor decides to stay a while, however, to investigate strange insect creatures that are roaming the park. But these insects are really machines seeking to convert the life forms on Hedgewick's world into the newest generation of the ever upgrading menace. Yeah, another Cyberman episode. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So yeah, um so concentrating on the topic for a moment. So Matt Smith plays obviously the eleventh doctor, and he also sort of gets um cybers at um and becomes the cyber planner as well. And so there's sort of two ways they show this. There's one where he sort of has the half of his face is sort of borgified, cyberfied. Um, and so he sort of, you know, turns around playing the two different parts. And they have this other one where they're sort of, I guess, in the doctor's mind. And then you sort of have double Matt Smith's, one being the 11th and the one being the cyber planner talking to each other. So those sort of two mediums of how to show those characters. So mm. how Because th- it is one body. Exactly. So how do you think of Matt Smith's performance in this? I mean, I love Matt Smith. I think he has such a fantastic physicality to him that's reminiscent of Jerry Lewis without being obnoxious Mm -hmm. Uh, because I do find Jerry Lewis quite obnoxious but Matt Smith I think pulls it off really well this doesn't give him a chance to show off much range this gives him a lot of chance to show off comedic timing it gives him a lot of chance to show off his physicality there was even a moment where i assumed he was taking in jack nicholson from the shining (laughs) but it's not a big range it's not two violently different characters because i think with this one the way i explain it to myself is that the cyber planner is working within the 11th doctor so it's the 11th Doctor's mannerisms and voice and way of thinking, but with the cyber planner pulling the strings. And so instead of it being like a salamander whole character, yes. it's still the 11th Doctor. The way he moves is still the same as the 11th Doctor. The way he talks, and, and but it's sort of this other personality within the body. Yes, yeah. And, and none of the things I was saying mm. were meant to be critiques at all. He does a fantastic job it's just completely different mm. to what patrick troughton does but, I, um, but I, from both a actor standpoint and i assume a directing standpoint and maybe even producing because there's a lot of special effects here i thought what they did well was translating who was who yes because honestly like you said when he or when i said you know he's when it's the two mats it's obvious you know because you can see one's that on the left one's on the right <laughs> you can tell which one's which but when it's just the same body and you know the half the face, the way he turns around, 
you know, you have to figure out who's who, and that can kind of be silly at for a certain point. And there's some kind of effects to be a little like chung chung, you know, let you know he's churning around. But I think he can still masters the way both the camera and the director is doing it, and both everything else. There's you're able to tell which when he's being the doc. I mean, except for the, when he's playing around, you can't. But that's part of the story of when sometimes it's being confusing on purpose. But when it's not trying to fool you, you can tell who's being who. Yes, and to be honest, you know there there is at least as much skill in this as what Patrick Troughton was doing because Patrick Troughton could take, I mean, they're so different. Mm. So he's got lots of room with that, whereas Matt Smith has to be much subtler and more nuanced with it. And like I say, I mean, he's just so brilliant at physical comedy. Mm. He's just so lanky and floppy anyway. Um in fact, you know, I forget it when we're watching The Crown. I forget about how great Matt Smith is physically because he's able to turn it off and be relatively normal <laughs> in The Crown. But uh, his physicality is just a joy to watch. Because I think the interesting thing when the cyber planner is first taking over, but maybe throughout the whole thing, he sort of does like the 11th Doctor on steroids, because he's sort of, like, zooming around the room, arms moving wildly around, which is all 11th Doctor, but he's, like, taking it to 11. Yeah. Um, of, the, <laughs> of the way that he sort of, you know, takes the room, you know, he sort of dances across the TARDIS sometimes, but, um, and, you know, everything. And so he was super floppy. And But I think, and I also thought it was interesting, because the cyber planner has to sort of absorb all of that he has with the Doctor, which means he has to go through some of the regenerations. Yes. So we get to see... Yeah. Matt Smith doing a little nine, doing a little Chris Eccleston and doing a little David Tennant, mm. which is okay. You know, I mean, it's cool. I, Matt Smith, I'm just saying he did he did a good Eccleston and okay Tennant. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'd forgotten. He picks up the catchphrases and mm-hmm. things like that, which is fun. Mm-hmm. It was it's a lot of fun to watch. Right, um, he does it beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought it was an interesting story. It's kind of a new look for the Cybermen, which is you know. <laughs> As we talked about last week, they're always updating and upgrading. So even in, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, New Who, I'm sure they've all been the same. But no, it's, this episode, they're actually pretty different than, I mean, not a little different, not crazy different from what we've seen before in New Who. But they're a little different. They look different. So it's very interesting. And they have literally upgraded and can apparently move at warp speed and stuff. So Cool. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to talk about next week? Well, next week, I thought we would sort of talk about two things in one because um, it's bigger on the inside in the show we're going to talk about something we've mentioned a lot that you've been aching to see darling okay and we're going to use it as a jumping point to talk about the daleks so we've talked cyberman we're going to talk about the daleks how are we going to talk about the daleks we're going to be talking about doctor who and the daleks starring peter cushing as the doctor oh the the doctor who shall not be named yes so actually we're going to be take a have a little comedic run at this because we're not going to watch the movie straight we're going to watch the riff tracks version oh how fun yay so <laughs> i like the riff track versions <laughs> so we're going to be watching that and then um and how are we going to do that well amazon Oh, cool. Yeah, which was how we were watching Sarah Jane um, Adventures. Yes. So. It's just that last time we saw the riff track, we had to actually go to, to the, the cinema theater. for it. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be next week. Exciting. Well, until then, darling, you're my favorite character in all of time and space. Aw, uh, and you're my favorite weirdo. Uh,
This is BBC Television.